0: Hi, I'm Michael Miller, and this is Speaking of Meditation. Join me for interesting conversations with fascinating people who meditate, why they do it, and how it's changed their lives. This is I use the word
1: profound because it is, and it has benefits across all your life, so it's a big thing. It's incredibly simple and practical. You can do it anytime, anywhere but you've got to do it.
0: Today I'm connecting with Peter Magnani. Peter had a long career as an executive in media and advertising, including senior roles in two big five agencies, Interpublic and Omnicom. Alongside that success came a struggle with stress that in 2015 led him to learn Vedic meditation. The change he experienced led to a fundamental shift in his focus, personally and professionally. This inspired him to found his own company and create Beam, a smart app that improves people's mental, physical, and financial health. So speaking of meditation, here's Peter. Hi, Peter. Hi, Michael. How how are you today? I'm very good. I'm I'm really excited to be talking today because I think you're Journey as a meditator is is a really fascinating one. I want to go back before that because always I find that there's some, there's some prep in someone's life. You know, Not that many people learn to meditate. And it's, it's always an interesting person who does. And, and often there's something in their history or, interestingly, nothing in their history that suggests they would come to that. For yourself as you look back was there something in your childhood or a person that influenced you or something in your education that you look back and think oh you know that might have led to me being open to something like meditation
1: um i've never thought about that from from previously i i'm very aware of the sort of sense of desperation that made me take that plunge and and discover meditation but as you say that my um my mother, who, who sadly isn't isn't here now, she, she was always very open to... She came from a theatrical background. So as families, we were always very open to um, new things. And we always had that... Um, tension is the wrong word, but my father, you know, very sort of traditional Italian uh, man, very macho, my mother um very open lots of theatrical friends very artistic and i think so i think it was really that openness that my that my mum gave me as a real starting point
0: that's very interesting and and maybe that as you say that tension between two wor- worlds might have led you into your advertising career because that certainly you know, you were in the corporate world full on, but in an industry that is creative and fascinating, and and more more towards that theatrical side. You didn't go into accounting.
1: No, I didn't. Although I was on the media side, so that is a, a an actual perfect blend of creativity in terms of understanding people and their motivations, but also. Um, you know disciplined numerical diligence so, so I, I, we've been in good two minutes and i've discovered two things about my life <laughs> interesting
0: <laughs> well it, i think it is fascinating and uh, tell me a little bit about the the arc of that career leading toward what what you just called a, a moment of desperation
1: um very normal um, in the sense that uh, I started at um, an agency called uh, Lowe's um, which was a full-service very creative environment um, spent 10 years learning quite a lot but having an unbelievable amount of fun um, because that was the, you know this is 20 25 years ago that was that was the the, the the days that I'm really glad I had, um, but they're sadly not there uh, anymore. Or maybe I'm just not invited to all the, uh, all, the all the good parties anymore. Um, so I did that. I, I worked my way up, but I'd always been interna- interested in the international side of the business that had always intrigued me. Um, and as the business went that way, I was, I was. Um, people would say, "Why do you want to go on a day trip to Amsterdam?" or stay the night in Barcelona on on, and I I found that fascinating so that international um, side led me to uh, moving to an international role in uh, Omnicom Media Group and from there I you know progressed and was promoted to manager director and then and then president a very sort of traditional um, career progression
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, relatively rapid in the sense that you moved forward. And, and that is interesting, that that international attention that that you found yourself drawn to, because that goes back earlier. I read something about you had a moment in Brazil earlier in your life.
1: After college, my, my friend and I, we traveled for a year around the world, and um, we spent three months in Brazil. My uncle... Um, was an Italian guy who, you know, ended up in Brazil and he had, I've got four Brazilian uh, cousins, which was the most amazing um, experience. We, we felt like rock stars for, uh, for three months it was because this is quite a long time ago and, and, you know, Brazil wasn't a typical destination. And, you know, we found it in, incredibly um, inspiring. I think we were a little bit exotic to, to people there because two young English guys wasn't typical um, in that country I'm, I'm fascinated where you've read about something about Brazil I don't know you've got spies doing research
0: <laughs> I don't, this this is uh, maybe chat gbt told me
1: oh, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I can't reveal my sources
1: well, yeah. yeah and of course again again this is really interesting because I'm talk- I'm I'm thinking in retrospect. Why was I interested in the international world? And then I, of course, a few years before that, I'd spent a year going to you know Africa, Brazil, the Americas. So of course, it was it was sort of already in me.
0: Yeah. Well, you were out outside. You know, as as you say, it was early to be doing maybe that much travel, uh, in the sense that people do today much much. More I, th- I think of young people as being much more international, certainly, you know, I grew up very, very differently, and it wasn't until much much later that that I started travel. I do think that creates an an openness and an openness to looking for solutions when you find yourself in a in a tricky place. Tell me about because you know here's this upward upward stroke of your career path. And at the same time, there's this maybe downward stroke of the impact of those demands and, and the stress that you were taking on and, and feeling. Tell tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm always, as I, as I get older and I get more perspective, I think at the time I very much put most of it on, on the work and the environment, which is stressful, like pretty much all drop, jobs in different ways, I, I'm presuming. But with perspective, I think a lot of it was coming from, from me. Mm. You know what I mean? It was the way I was approaching things. It was the what I expected of myself, the way I dealt with with setbacks, etc. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I mean lots of lots of you know times where you would get you'd get so introspective. You know, because of course it's a different, it was a different working culture over the years and it was kind of sink or swim and it was get on with it. Also, I mean, I think as I alluded to before, I do think at the beginning of my career, I thought the world owed me a bit of a living. You know what I mean? It was such good fun that <laughs> I remember being down the pub on a Friday afternoon and a, and a client calling and, and I had to go back to the office and I was outraged. The client who paid my wages <laughs> wanted to call me on, it. didn't they know? You know, so um so I think it was I wasn't if I think back, I wasn't fully really prepared and present to do the best I could I could do. It was an imperfect working in environment, uh, as I think it always is and always will be. Um and I think I let things build up and fester and um i think i thought too much about things um i had a um a great thing today action is the antithesis to anxiety you know and i as soon as i started to say no act on it do stuff rather than intellectualize and think about stuff which inevitably for me came to a bit of a, oh, a poor me, a poor me, which was kind of unproductive. Um, that I managed to cope, but it was all very much about keeping your head above water versus ever, ever flourishing. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and and how was that? You know, that demanding environment and the stress that you were feeling kind of uh, manifesting itself. What were you noticing in in your body or in your emotions or in your relationships? Um,
1: a, a lack of real presence in my relationship, certainly with my young, young kids, um, uh, anger, anger, um, mainly internal anger, but sometimes, you know, external, um, anger and, and sadness as well. You know, very occasionally, I'd get to the point where I'd go, what's this all about? I, I remember I go back to my mum. I remember she said, when we first had our kids, um, I was explaining to her that I, we've got twins and I was holding one of them. And my mother-in-law said, what, you know, what what do you want for them? And, and just a, a moment of pure love was, I just want them to be happy. That, that, I mean, which is a cliche on one level, but it's a pure thought, that, you know, I want them to be happy and it doesn't matter how they find their happiness, just as long as their happiness. And I remember saying that to my mum, and she said, when she held me when I was very young, she said, I just don't want you to be a cog in a machine. I want you to to do what you want to do. And it's interesting that I was effectively uh, a cog in a well-paid fantastic machine <laughs> for many years and now I'm now I'm uh, I'm doing that so um I don't know if that answered your question
0: no I I, I do think it's really I think that's very interesting because I, I would reflect back to you the same thing you know you were a big cog in an interesting machine yes but maybe there was a moment where that didn't feel right anymore
1: Definitely. I mean, I'd I'd started um, thinking about the idea for the new uh, business, and I, and I presume we'll we'll cover how that really started and coming coming to you. But um, when I was thinking about um, about that, I it wasn't. I'd never thought. I want to be an entrepreneur, or I want to start my own own business. I, I was very challenged, <laughs> and 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 on a level content with what I was doing. But it almost I had to do it. I had this idea. It came from my own experience. I knew it worked for me. I knew it worked for people um, close to me. And I and I had to do it. So it it almost overtook me rather than um, being as analytical as as i might have looked at it certainly pre-meditation definitely
0: well speaking of meditation let's go back to that let's go back to the moment that you sought that out and what what was occurring and then how did you think meditation might be the solution um
1: i was i was coping and i think i i don't in any way think i was remarkable on any level i think Everything I would suffer, you hear some people with some real challenges. I think I was bang average, you you know, typical. But it was almost like a boat. It had been leaking over years and years and years, and it was fine. And then I got to the point, and it was one incident, which um, I'm sort of embarrassed talking about, but it was a kind of road rage incident where I was driving to work, always in a rush, thinking about the day. I made a wrong manoeuvre. Um, a guy in a van sort of said, what are you doing? Quite naturally, totally my fault. And I then gave him the V sign in this pathetically sort of uh, aggressive way. By the way, he was in a great big van. I was driving a smart car. So it was slightly incongruous.
0: Were your physical statures in similar proportion? <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Uh, well, because, because I, I drove on thinking, I guess, you know, that told you. Don't mess with me, even though I was in the wrong. Then this van swung around from the opposite direction it was going, drove past me, cut me off, got out. Um, I, in a kind of mad fit of, you know, ongoing rage, got out, walked straight up to him. He said, I'm going to kill you. And I went nose to nose with him. And I screamed in his face, no, you're not. And, you know, what are you going to do? I'm aware from your face, Michael, that I'm sounding like a madman because I was—I was crazy at that.
0: Well, oh, it's a significant interaction.
1: Yeah, and then he looked at me, and you could see in his eyes he thought,
0: "No, no,
1: not today with this lunatic," and went back. And and you know, wonder what I'd have done if he'd backed down. I then, I then pulled over a hundred yards later, and just thought, "Oh my God, I've got young kids. I've got the most amazing wife. I've got a fantastic life. What am I doing?" And then that. Um, It was it was that break before Christmas where I I was in a low a low moment and <laughs> there was nothing strategic about it. I'd heard about this vague thing called meditation, and my wife used to always say, not because she'd done meditation, but she'd say, "You need to meditate," which was a sort of shorthand, I think, for just relax with no intentions of me actually doing that, and. I went online and I went meditation in London almost to say well yeah I looked for it and it you know found London meditation center and then and then it and then it went from from there but that was the catalyst that there was no way I could after that go to do such a risky ridiculous thing go you don't need to deal with this prior to that I'd been trying a lot of things to you know, put a plaster over stuff, whether that's apps or or um, or going to the doctor who says you're depressed. And, uh, and I said, well, I don't think I'm depressed, and put you on anxiety. I thought, no, I need I need to uh, take control. And the first step in that was was going online and searching for you guys. And I literally thank God every day I did because.
0: I mean, isn't that amazing? The good old Google coming coming through for for you in that in that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then you came along and, and learned. What do you remember from that first day or those early days of the course? Because this was a little bit outside of your wheelhouse. It's not like I don't think you were a guy who went to drum circles and hung out with mystics and did a lot of yoga you know you you were a family man in a corporate job and all of a sudden here you are learning to meditate what strikes you when you think back on that
1: um i think <clears throat> when i decided to go i i think i was doing it almost to placate myself you know the first the first session because it didn't cost anything i could just you know And then that was very intriguing. And then you you sign up because I think it was Gillian who did the first session. I think, yes. And then you sign up and you do the the four sessions. And I remember going before the first session, I remember two things specifically going. I associated meditation with kind of cults. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) it isn't a short leap from cults to Charles Manson and God knows what. So I remember thinking. If they at any stage ask for five or ten percent of my annual earnings, I mean, no, 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 I'm being serious, Mike.
0: I know, no, I absolutely I understand.
1: And and also, we in the Vedic tradition, we I was asked to get some um, some fruit and and vegetables to bring to bring along.
0: Fruits and flowers, yes. And flowers,
1: yes. Um, and <laughs> in my world, that was like. Red flag, red flag. But yet, funnily enough, I, I, and, I and I and I came and um, on the strength of hearing Gillian speak and, and other people speak, and then I just didn't look back. That first that first day, I remember I was with about fifteen people, and I was the only uh, male in there. Mm. I'm allowed to say that. I don't. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> only i was the only person who identified as a male yes um and uh and yeah it fantastic
0: that is it is a remarkable journey to go that far outside of your personal norm and then for it to really become a part of your everyday experience and my sense is that was kind of from the beginning although often people have a little up and down and it takes a little time to bed in other people it just sort of clicks and and they're quite or at least relatively committed from from the beginning uh, how how was that for you
1: it was amazing i i and you're right i'm one of those people who from that day you know i was committed i mean it's not always 100 easy and you know different meditations are different but it's it incredibly quick. I remember the feeling of having tried lots of stuff, and even that first evening going home. And I remember you saying, "You know, meditate. You've meditated once here for the first time. Meditate tonight." And um, and uh, and you know, if, you, if you're into sort of other stimulants, just take a night off. And of course, that didn't, that didn't affect me. But um, I went back, and I literally, I had to go somewhere after I meditated. And the two things happened. Oh, I went to the I went to the gym and I looked at the um, screen, and the colours were more vivid. Mm. You know, and, and I wasn't making that up. And um, and what else happened? Somewhere, there was another. I can't remember what it is. Oh yeah, I opened the door for a woman, which again I don't know if you know. Seven years on, that's that's a good thing or an insult these days, if I'm honest, but. Um, and she gave me a big smile, and I thought of that. So you said, "Think maybe it's meditation. Maybe I did that in a way that was um, in a way that engendered that that response." And yeah, and then from there, I remember that wonderful, warm feeling of not only is this something that helps, but it's my thing. It's, it's totally practical. There, there are literally no barriers to do this. I know people will say there are time. And when I don't evangelize about it, meditation, but when people ask me about it, I say, you know, 20 minutes, twice a day, and they go, how do you find the time? And, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. There are no barriers to this if you actually want to, uh, want to do it. And very quickly it became, it became, I was going to use the word crutch. But that has a negative connotation, but it became a, an essential foundation um, to the point where actually I, when you have your online check ins, um, I don't come to as many as I should because I'm working. And But whenever I do, um, it reminds me how amazing this is because it's become so embedded in my life. I don't I don't sort of realize what a gift it is. And, and what a treat it is and how much it helps me. It's almost become, you know, you adjust to your gains, don't you?
0: Mm, yeah, that's a really good way to put it, adjust to your gains, that there is that sense that it normalizes, and the benefits that you're getting from it, you know, don't continue to go straight through the roof. You know, there's a, there's an upward stroke at the beginning, and then that flattens and it plateaus a little bit. But to stay at the level of that plateau... You're doing that because you're meditating correctly, and I, I think it is great to get that reminder every so often. And mm-hmm. it's remarkable, you know, how many people are doing that in any way whatsoever. You know, taking a moment, as you say, that is yours, and doing something for yourself that you know is good for you. That you don't have to do, but has become essential for you to continue to function in in the way that you wish.
1: Mm. yeah it's talk to me
0: now about because you alluded before uh, about this transition that happened in your professional life that came about as a result of meditating so uh, walk me into that well
1: i I do remember you 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 saying in one of our lessons you 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 may find yourself becoming more assertive but in the true sense of the word uh, of assertive you know confident sure of your ground and and quite quickly, I thought, well, it, it acted as a foundation. If, if, if we think <laughs> that boat was leaking, the leak had stopped. And slowly but surely, you know, we, we were getting rid, rid of any, this is a terrible analogy, but I'll go through it, any sort of water still in the, in, in, in the boat. But it made me think then, okay, so that's the foundation. How do I improve other areas of, of my life? And that's when I basically said, right, stop outsourcing this. You've done something really amazing for yourself. You discovered that solution. (laughs) I didn't create Vedic meditation (laughs) through my own. (laughs) Um, But what I mean is it was totally my own (laughs) decisions that got me there. Right. What other decisions could you make? And and the way I found of really flourishing was every day on an A4 piece of paper doing – a really simple exercise of dumping everything going on in my head on paper, whether that was someone being ill or kids or work, uh, literally everything. And I could immediately see obvious patterns, as you would, because we all struggle with attention. We're all so frantic that you don't know what you did yesterday. So I could immediately see those. And even the stuff I had no idea why that was happening or what to do about it, the process of putting it down on a piece of paper gave me perspective, allowed me to reflect, and so very occasionally I'd go, "Oh, things are worse than I think, but generally I'd go, things are okay, and it was very motivating to put my life on a page and then, and then move forward. And it was about that time that um, I was at work, and obviously, I worked in advertising and media, and you know, we um, we understand people's motivations. We understand how data and tech can be used to um, develop relationships with customers. And I was wearing my iWatch. I had my. I was looking at some consumer data on the screen, and I thought, "We know a lot about people. What about if we use this data and a whole load of other data in a different way?" And that's where that's where it came out rather than writing everything down every day, <laughs> which let's be honest, most people won't do. We've got these amazing indicators of our emotions mm. and, our, and our behaviors. And, and that was really the catalyst. And then and then that assertiveness meant that I thought, you know, my first reaction was, oh, well, I could never start a business. I, I don't do that. You know, I work for a big company. And uh, But I think I just thought, you know, could I do something different? And then you talk to your family and your kids go, you know, advertising boring anyway, Dad. you know, what are you doing? We don't want to see these ads. Um, and yeah. And that started the process of going, right, put a plan in place. How do you want to do this? What do you want to do? And that set me on the, on the, on the journey.
0: So you had this moment of insight of I'm collecting data or, or, advertising companies and are collecting data in order to do something we have these tools to do that and could that be used for a different and and maybe even more directly positive experience and that led to this app beam so tell me tell me about what beam does
1: so what it does in very simple terms is it it, it allows you to identify and manage your stress by integrating all the data sources you utilize where you produce data you produce your personal data that goes into the ether um, and you often don't get you most of the time don't get any benefit from it so it connects at the click of a button your health data so whether that's your workouts your sleep um, uh, your steps crucially your spend data obviously we've had open banking for, um, for many years now. But we're using spend data as an indicator of behavior in a really different way.
0: Spend um, data by which you mean like my, my banking app?
1: Your banking app, yeah. So we, we you can connect to any banking app you're using and, and basically Beam sees the expenditure you have on everything from like your utilities to your coffee and whether you're going up or down um, to about... 200 other indicators and um, so we do that we've just added screen time which is a massive influence on people's um, uh, mental health along with other more sort of ethereal aspects like location and weather and we um, what we then done which has taken most of the period funnily enough I I was talking to someone the other day and they said about two and a half years ago when I said I was going to do this they said just remember one thing: it'll cost more money and take more time than you thought. I remember thinking, no, "Not me! No, no, no! It's all under control. It'll be a plan, and it'll... and of course, it always, it always uh, does. But a, a big part of it was: how do you analyze this? So we've developed machine learning algorithms to identify emotional triggers and behavior patterns, correlations, and train the data so you've got a really personalised understanding of how your emotions and behaviors are interacting and how they're making you feel and what they're potentially leading you to do and then we link people to really practical support it's very much aimed at um gen z and, and millennials so it's a bit like my whole approach to everything you know actually including meditation practical you know show me um i to the team i often say you know which is probably unfair on people who do this. You know, this isn't about hugging trees. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is real stuff for real, uh, for, for, for sort of real people. And, and yeah, and we're, and we're getting the evidence that, you know, those micro stressors, this isn't a mm. clinical thing that build up. Um, they, uh, this helps you manage them because it's though, if they build up, get out of control, they lead to depression, anxiety, and depression. So it's a, it's a coping, it's a coping tool, and it's yeah. It's- I think it's
0: it's so fascinating that you're you're casting the data net so wide because mm. you know, we've seen this explosion of personal tracking devices, and and I I wore one gosh years ago now the the Jawbone. Do you remember Jawbone? It was one of the early devices. And it was very, you know, because people were starting to wear them and starting to ask us about this around meditation, I thought I should check it out. So I wore it for six months or something. And, you know, it was, it was early on. And so, you know, how accurate or how deep the data was, you know, wouldn't be like today. But it was interesting to see that when I meditated, it thought I was taking a nap. Like it could see that something was going on that was measurable and and people are so desperately trying to measure themselves with exogenous devices and then make some judgment about themselves based on that it sounds like your app is doing a combination of here's subjectively how i feel you know today i'm feeling quite good and then it's looking for objective factors that are contributing to that, like how much did you spend yesterday and how much screen time were you on your phone and did you not walk enough or something? And they say, oh, drawing some correlates between those objective data points and your subjective experience of stress or happiness or or lack thereof. Am I interpreting that correctly?
1: You're interpreting it absolutely Uh, correctly yes it's it's to give people an ongoing understanding of literally what is what is going and I like the way you describe that we think of it as our shorthand is facts and feelings you know we are we are both analytical and emotional beings that's the reality of of humans and um, again our shorthand and and some of the results we're getting is backing this up. If we can give someone a 50% improvement in self-knowledge and a 50% improvement in emotional intelligence, that's gold dust, you know, Mm. in the world we we live in. And um, it's not pretending to... uh, simplify the incredibly complex uh, workings of any individual's brain the historic influences on 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 their approaches to stuff it's simply saying look you guys are giving frankly all this data away sometimes without you knowing it to um a lot of companies we all we, we all know who they are and that's great because that they provide some brilliant products that we all take advantage of and we love the fact that they're free. At the very least, use your own data to benefit you as well. That's <laughs> we, 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 why we don't have advertising or we don't have data data sell on it. It's very... Aha, uh-huh.
0: so your data, the data is is not then available. I'm, I'm not being marketed to based on what my bank balance is. No, we,
1: we, we, everything's... Our, we can't see... Your data, I couldn't, um, we can't identify individuals. Um, we we, we spent a lot of time on that. We've got bank level security uh, mm. on, on, on all of it because one of the things we wanted to do from day one is be very transparent. You know that feeling when you're signing up for something or there's a, there's often a catch, isn't there? Yeah. This is free, but it's not really. And, and then you suddenly serve advertising. So yeah, it's totally transparent it's a subscription uh model um because particularly young people they're smart you know and and also i know mission is a bit of a tree huggy word
0: but um <laughs> we're, we're happy to hug a tree once in a while
1: well i know i i, I, <laughs> I suspect you've hugged more trees than me michael mm, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was the, that was that moment when you go, wow, we could do this, and then the really neat thought was, wow, and it, it could really help people, no catches, genuinely help people, and and mm-hmm. and it is so far. So, fingers crossed, we've got a long way to do to go, a lot a lot to learn still, but it's very proud of it, and um, and it's fascinating.
0: Oh well, and it is an amazing expression of what you experienced through your own self-improvement that, oh, I did something and I felt better and my life was better. And how can I pass that along? And I, you know, I love some, sometimes like for my own experience, it was, I learned to meditate and I was coping with my demanding workplace better and, and getting on with people better. And I had a moment you know, I kind of dragged my heels of, oh gosh, should I become a meditation teacher? Like, is that the yeah. thing? Sometimes people have that. And I love that you took your background and your interest and your expertise and and maybe even your, your passion and turned it into something that the intent is to do good. And of course, it's a business and and all of that but that there is an impulse to help others. That feels pretty inspiring to me. Yeah. I
1: mean, you know, starting a business, you have lots of conversations with investors and they're all like, they're all like, you know, what's your exit strategy? Because that's the big macho world that everyone talks about. And I'm just honest. I said, I haven't got an exit strategy. I want to start something I'm proud of and, and improve it. And, um, and run it that's my
0: i don't look at an exit strategy um so yeah and what is your life like now so you moved out of that corporate world you're doing the entrepreneurial thing which is a different kind of demand i think equally demanding but in in a different way yeah. your children are now older you know you are doing something very different how how are you finding all of that and and how does meditation continue to fit in and contribute to that
1: it, it it's retain, uh, remained fundamental you know the the you know absolutely essential i mean it's um it's it's different <laughs> very different <laughs> um, the best way I can describe it is out of the seven days of the week five days a week i wake up and i i just go this is amazing this is fantastic you know one day a week i wake up and go oh i'm definitely a genius you know that's when i'm really on cloud nine and then the last day i woke up i wake up and i go i'm the biggest idiot there has ever been why why did i do that but you know that's pretty really good return, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that seems like a fairly good ratio, actually.
1: That's a fairly good ratio. And it's better than when I was working um in the uh, definitely a lot better than when I was working in the corporate. And I'm I'm not certainly not minimizing the uh the worries, the stresses, the the, the strains, but that's where, you know, those foundations of, of of you know meditation have been. Obviously I'm I'm a user. They, they they helped me massively. God knows what I'd have been like if I'd done this as a twenty eight year old. I mean,
0: mm. I'd be uh,
1: off, off rocker, I think.
0: <laughs> well, you did come to it with a a maturity that we don't always witness in tech entrepreneurs. <laughs>
1: That's a very polite way of saying oh, you've bit old. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, no, uh, it was actually a polite way of saying those people are whack jobs. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's funny you say um, a tech entrepreneur and, you know, I've learned getting in this whole ecosystem, everyone loves to use the words entrepreneur and, 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 you know, you're a tech business. I just don't think of it as a tech business. It's It's a sort of human business to help people, which is no different to the, in the old days, you know, a lawyer you know, saying, well, we're a tech business because we have these things called phones and we have faxes and this is the way we communicate. To me, it's just tools to, to help. I mean, by the way, I do drive our development team mad because I just go, well, why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? But I'm, I'm quite passionate about that. It's about, it's a human, it's about people. The tech to me is just a means to an end.
0: Amazing, Peter. If, I, I appreciated what you said earlier about not sort of proselytizing about meditation. If if someone does express interest, you know, what are what are just the two or three basic things that you that you say to them about your own experience or about why you think it's valuable?
1: Uh, I was saying this last night, actually. I, I, I was saying to someone. Um, the first thing i say is this isn't another another tool to try this is i use the word profound because it is and it has benefits across all your life that most of which you won't even understand so it's a big thing i say it's incredibly simple and practical you know it it, it doesn't cost it, you can do it anytime any anywhere And the third thing I say is, um, because I get people excited, and I say, but you've got to do it. (laughs) You've got to do it. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, life doesn't occasionally get in in the way, but it's not magic. You get out what uh, what you put in. And I always remember you saying to me, I said, will I hit the transcendental state every time? And you said, not necessarily. You said, you know, think of it like a meal. You know, some meals are, are, are more enjoyable than others, and really amazing. And other meals are are more functional to get you through 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 the day. So I say those three things, actually. You know, but yeah, um, I clearly don't follow my own advice because I was talking to someone. Well, no, the reason I say that is because I was in a in a group, and they did a a, a little three minute. Um, it was actually with Richard Stokes, who was a friend of, of both of ours, and. Um, we had a three-minute. They called it meditation to um, sort of get in the get in in the zone. And of course, I'm a bit of a meditation
0: snob. I have to say, mm. we, um, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Well, yeah,
1: well, <laughs> uh, but it was it was nice and it was relaxing. And um, he afterward was going that's the most amazing thing I've ever done. This is the three minutes once. And I was saying, well, if you think that's amazing, <laughs> try, try uh, London Meditation Center.
0: You're good. <laughs> uh, well, Peter, it's, it's so good to talk. And I, and I love hearing about Beam. Will you just tell me how, how, I, how I track it down? How do I find your app?
1: Simplest way is to go to our website, which is beamandme.com. Spelled
0: beamandme.com. Yeah, spelled
1: B E A M A N D M E dot and you can download it um, Android or or app stores
0: and uh, and you'll love it. That's fin- fantastic. It's it's fascinating and and I'm I'm sure I I can imagine it being an an additional useful tool for meditators. You mentioned before that maybe it's meditation, you know, to note. Oh, there, there are these changes, and here's a way to track what it is that's happening in all aspects. Uh, Peter, it's it's great to talk, and let's let's, uh, as you say, see you on some more of those group meditations.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me, and I've certainly I've enjoyed it.
0: All right, well, have a great day. Thank you. Bye for now. Speaking of meditation, is written and produced by me, Michael Miller. With direction by Jillian Lavender and assistance from Emma Ray, editing is by James Green at Green Podcast Productions. Original music written and performed by Rich Jock. Graphics by L and L. Speaking of meditation, what are you noticing? Who's benefiting? And how are you staying inspired?